Today we're going to be in Genesis chapter 40, so please uh, grab a Bible, and uh, we have some Bibles we would be glad to pass out, and if you would like a Bible, just slip up your hand. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 40, Genesis chapter 40, need a few, raise your hand if you'd like one, and guarantee you're going to need one if you intend to follow our passage this morning. And even though he just left the room, I'd like to welcome uh, Ian Elijah Torpin for his very first day in church. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Genesis chapter 40. Have you ever felt like you have been forgotten? Have you ever felt forgotten by God? Have you ever felt that you were treated unfairly and God didn't notice and God didn't make it right? Have you ever tried to do the right things, tried to put God first in your life, tried to live in a way that would please him and that would honor him and things got worse? You really uh, tried hard uh, in your, to study and prepare for exam and you got a poor grade. You ever worked really hard and then lost a job? Have you ever saved your money but some unexpected thing happened and you had to use all your savings. Have you ever asked God for help and he didn't seem to answer? There were times in Joseph's life just like that. It seemed that he was forgotten by God. Let me make a quick review as we come to Genesis chapter 40. Uh, Joseph came from the uh, best-known dysfunctional family in the Bible. You remember that? He had 11 brothers, one sister, and his dad uh, thought Joseph was the most important son that ever lived, and he played favorites, and he gave special gifts to Joseph, and his brothers hated him for it, and when Joseph was just 17, his brothers ambushed him, threw him into a pit, and then sold him to a caravan passing through on the way to Egypt. When Joseph was taken to Egypt, he was sold as a slave to Potiphar, a high-ranking Egyptian official. And um, in, in Pharaoh's court. And Joseph was a good guy, you remember that? Uh, he was a man of integrity, very wise in management principles. But Potiphar's wife, remember that, Genesis chapter 39? Potiphar's wife... Uh, sought to go to bed with Joseph and set a trap for him. And it was more than once. And Joseph escaped her plan, but he ended up in prison. And that's where we leave uh, Joseph in Genesis uh, chapter 39. Look at verse uh, 20. But while Joseph was there in prison, that's where we find Joseph today. He's in prison. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And that brings us to our passage uh, today, Genesis chapter 40. And so the jail time for Joseph continues in verses 1 through 5. And... uh, Joseph is going to get some uh, new inmates, some new prisoners to join him in prison. Look at verse 1. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, that would be the Pharaoh, offended their master, the king of Egypt. 
Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The chief cupbearer played a very important role in Pharaoh's house. His job was uh, he was the wine tester, the beverage tester. Anything that Pharaoh would drink, he tested it first to make sure that it was safe for Pharaoh and also Pharaoh's... um, um, the, the people eating with, with uh, Pharaoh, his, the, the group he was with at any time. And so it was a very important uh, job to do. And it may sound a little bit like not too important, but he was an official in Pharaoh's court. And he had access to Pharaoh every day and other court officials every day. And he overheard very important conversations Every day. It was a very influential position to be the chief cup bearer. The chief baker baked bread and various pastries uh, for the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. But he also baked bread. This one you won't understand. He also baked bread for the former kings of Egypt, those dead in the pyramids or about to be put in the pyramids. They supplied food for the long journey ahead. It's one of the jobs of the chief baker. So we don't know exactly what they did. You know, Pharaoh just was uh, upset with them. And so they end up uh, in the same prison with Joseph. What a coincidence. And Joseph gets a new responsibility in verses 4 and 5. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended them. By the way, who is the captain of the guard? You all remember this? It's Potiphar, Genesis 39, verse 1. He is the captain of the guard. Uh, Joseph is under his authority in prison. Now, I'm guessing that Potiphar didn't totally believe his wife when she said, Joseph tried to sleep with me. You know, Remember, it was kind of normal to be executed for stuff like that. And so he's in prison. He's, he's under the authority. You know, Potiphar's not letting him go. The captain of the guard is not letting him go. But he is kind of in a safe place. And the captain of the guard has assigned these two prisoners to Joseph. Um, also in verse 4, after they had been in custody for some time, we don't know how long, verse 5, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker, of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. What a coincidence. Same two people, same day, have a dream, same night. Each dream had a meaning of its own. So these two men get put into prison with Joseph. Two two dreams, same night. Dream time, verses 6 through 19. Dream time. Okay, here we go. Verse 6, new problem. Look at verse 6. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why are your faces sad today? So the dreams, whatever they were, had a very depressing effect on these two officials. They were downcast, and Joseph, whether he was, you know, like really intuitive or not, he notices that these guys are discouraged and they're depressed. And verse 8, we both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. 
And apparently these just weren't run-of-the-mill every night dreams like you had last night. They knew that they were somehow significant. There was somehow some kind of deeper meaning, and it bothered them, and they felt like they needed an answer. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. Pretty interesting, for Joseph hasn't had a lot of input. We don't know how much instruction Joseph has had about God. He certainly doesn't have any small group to pray for him. And there's nobody teaching him the scriptures. One is because the scriptures haven't been written yet. And Joseph has this default mode to know that God is the one who interprets dreams. And it, it, it's almost like he says it before he even thinks what he says. Uh, do not interpretations belong to God. They wouldn't know that. He's talking about the true and living God. He's not talking about the gods of Egypt. He's talking about the one and only true and living God of the universe, the creator. And he knows him. The first dream, uh, the, the chief cupbearer in verses 9 through 11. Look at verse 9. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me. Okay. And on the vine were three branches. Remember that? Three. As soon as it was budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. That was quite a dream. Happened really fast. All of those things. I can just imagine, you know, sort of the still pictures. And first we have the vine, then we we see the three branches, and then they bud, then they blossom. And then they turn to grapes, and the grapes ripen. And then they go right to the cup. They're squeezed. And now they're in Pharaoh's hand. That happens really fast. Now, one of the things that's clear about this is that it's symbolic of his role as a cupbearer. Because this is what he did. He made sure that everything uh, that went to the Pharaoh was okay. And his job was to serve him beverages. The interpretation comes in verses 12 through 15. Look at verse 12. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. Three branches are three days. So there's your three. Within three days, Pharaoh, your boss, will lift up your head and restore you to the position. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. And everything's going to be okay. So Joseph, who knows the true and living God, interprets the dream, and he has an answer. Three branches, three days, and the Pharaoh is going to lift up your head. The chief uh, baker gets the good news. Um, he will be saved from, excuse me, the chief cupbearer gets the good news. Chief baker hasn't got his news yet. Chief cupbearer will be saved from his immediate death by his king. He feared for his life. Now his future is bright. That's good news. Joseph, however, has one request. We see that in verses 14 and 15. And here's what Joseph says. This is the only time we see Joseph sort of breaking through. Help. Look at verse 14. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. That's right there in the text. Verse 15, for I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve to be put in a dungeon. Joseph hasn't forgotten how he got there, and it doesn't seem fair, and he's asking for help. He's asking for some justice. 
His reason is because he was forcibly carried off from home. He has done nothing wrong. He was put into a dungeon, and it's not fair. It's not right. And Joseph has been here for some time. It's the first time we see Joseph refer to this. But he hasn't forgotten what the deal is. He hasn't forgotten the wrong that's been done. Verses 16 and 7, dream number 2, the chief baker. Look at verse 16. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, so he waited until the news was good. What would he have done if the, if the interpretation wasn't favorable? I don't even want to know what Joseph thinks, you know. So he says, after he learns of the favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets. Okay, there's the three. Three baskets of bread. It's going to relate to his job. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket of my hand. What's that all about? Um, so three baskets, and one of the baskets is on, a, on the head of the chief baker, and there are birds on top eating out uh, of the basket. And so, like, what's that all about? And so Joseph gives the interpretation, verses 18 and 19. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. The threes are three days for both guys. Within three days, pharaohs will, will lift up your head. Well, he's going to lift up the head of the chief uh, cupbearer too. But this guy, he's going to lift up your head and he's going to hang you on a tree and the birds are going to eat away your flesh. Not good. So Joseph, who knows the God who interprets dreams, knows this interpretation, and not good news for the baker. You know, how do you think you would have felt if you were the baker? Sorry, I ask. Could I have a second opinion? Three days later, verses 20 through 23, see, we're already to the end of the passage. We come to release time. Dream fulfillment. Look at verse 20. Dream fulfillment. Now, the third day was Pharaoh's birthday. Now we know why the three. And he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. Not sure exactly what it means that he lifted up their head. It's some kind of recognition, some kind of notice. Hey, I've got these guys in here. They were in prison. They're dejected. Now they're going to be noticed among the royal court. He lifts up their head. Uh, verse 21, he restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand, just like Joseph predicted. And then verse 22, but he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation, and that was not a good ending uh, for um, the chief baker. So be careful um, about how God lifts up your head. Verse 23, forgotten, the chief cupbearer however did not remember joseph he forgot him joseph was forgotten although joseph had helped the chief cupbearer in prison the chief cupbearer did not return the favor because he was just too important to remember joseph he forgot joseph joseph had a hope this little thread of hope god has used me to help this man and now maybe God is going to use this situation to get attention so uh, justice will, become, will be done and I can be released. 
uh, this was a very important opportunity for Joseph. It seemed like God might uh, use this situation to change his circumstances. It seemed like this might be God's get-out-of-jail card for Joseph. But Joseph is forgotten. Verse 23, end of chapter 40, and he is still in jail. That's what happened. We talked earlier about, uh, not today, but a couple of weeks back, about the Bible describes in narrative literature, like the book of Genesis, the Bible describes what happens. It isn't a prescription of what should happen. It's a description. And, uh, but we can gain principles from this story. What do we learn about God and how he works? So when we come to reading it for ourselves, we're looking for principles that help us understand. How, do, how does this help me? What can I learn? And so I have uh, some lessons that I want to suggest. Uh, number one, God orchestrates everyday circumstances around us to accomplish his purposes. God orchestrates everyday circumstances around us, everyday circumstances around you right now. God is at work. If you're in the Experiencing God um, growth group, the, the first principle is God is at work around you. And uh, this is uh, quite similar. God orchestrated the circumstances around Joseph. Uh, God had been... Uh, orchestrating the circumstances around Joseph's life all the way up. And we could go back to Genesis 37 and Genesis 39 and see how God orchestrated. But just in chapter 40, God brought two prisoners to Joseph. They needed help. Somehow, each had a dream on the same night. And somehow, Joseph was used by God to accomplish his purposes and communicate the dreams. Now, the story is not over yet. That's one of the reasons why when you study the Bible, you study for big picture because there is a big picture and it's bigger than Genesis chapter 40 on God's purposes in his life. And what, that's a great reminder for us because what you can't see today or what you don't know today, someday you're going to be looked back and you're going to say, oh, I see how God was at work. But are you looking right now? Are you watching right now how God is working in, in your life and around your life and in the circumstances around you. Uh, one of the biggest uh, failures we have sometimes as Christians is we pray and we ask God for things and uh, he begins to work and we aren't paying attention and sometimes even answers and we just don't see it because we're not looking. Um, number two, second lesson. God can work uh, through the decisions of an ungodly political leader to accomplish his purposes. God can work through the decisions of an ungodly political leader to accomplish his purposes. Sometimes we worry about who our president is or who our governor is or some uh, evil world dictator out there somewhere, and, uh, but God can still work through any political leader. I'm not trying to say who's godly and who's ungodly, um, but in this case, Pharaoh was not somebody who honored God with their life. And God worked through Pharaoh. God got angry, or excuse me, Pharaoh got angry through two guys in jail, and God worked through the situation to orchestrate Joseph's future. Not only Joseph's future, but all of the people of Israel's future are orchestrated through these events. Because Joseph interpreted two dreams is going to uh, impact the future of the people of Israel. 
You have to come back the next couple of weeks. Number three, um, God can work through a pagan belief system to accomplish his purposes. Uh, Dreams and interpretation of dreams were very important in uh, the ancient world. Very important in the land of Canaan, a very godless place, the land of Canaan. That This is the location that God promised to Israel, and they will go in and um, take the land in the future. God will give them the land, but they don't have it yet. And the people that live there uh, have uh, some pretty wild views of supernatural things, but dreams are important. God used dreams in the past, and God used uh, the dreams... In Egypt, it was very important when people had dreams and to understand the interpretation of dreams. And so God just used it to accomplish his own purposes. Um, Personally, I don't think I've ever had a dream that came from God as far as in my sleep. Maybe I missed it. It's not the normal way. He can work through a dream. It's just not the normal way. Uh, that he works. But he can do things like that. Um, If you hear stories from the missions field, there's all kinds of ways God works in a culture that's way out of our, what we expect God to do. Witch doctors, you know, die in answer to prayer on the mission field sometimes. Um, There's just a lot of ways that uh, God has worked. If you just look in the Bible, um, Moses is in the future, in the book of Exodus, is going to lead God's people, Israel, out of Egypt. And, and God is going to use 10 miracles, 10 plagues, and they're focused against the gods of Egypt. It's going to be a power encounter of the true and living God against false gods. Now, I have never seen God part the Red Sea. I've never seen a, a plague of locusts. Um, there's a lot of things I've never seen, but God can do it. And he may choose to do it to get people's attention. I would just say, don't expect that to be the normal way God operates. Look at scripture to see how God usually operates. Number four, sometimes God may give you skills to put you in a place of influence for his kingdom. God gave Joseph's skills to interpret dreams, and it put him in a place where he's going to have impact. He's going to have influence about the outcome of those events. God gave Joseph skills of leadership and administration to manage and to plan, and um, Potiphar liked that. Potiphar put him in charge of a lot of things, and the jailer put him in charge of a lot of things because Joseph was a man of integrity, but he was a man of skill in many ways. And God would use that and put Joseph in a place of influence. You know what? God may use you. God has given you skills, and he may put you in the place of influence. Maybe it's not going to be world influence. Maybe it's going to be influence in your school or influence in your neighborhood or influence in your workplace or in your dorm. But God has given you skills. It could be leadership. It could be teaching. It could be administration. It could be serving. There's a lot of ways God has given you skills. I can think of one time in, in our history where um, God brought to our church when we were in Stoughton um, 
a man who became a member of our church who was also the superintendent of our public schools. And we had been trying to buy land so we could relocate and build a, a new building. We were kind of outgrowing where we were. And um, we had, on our own, we had communicated with various people about buying land. And we'd, we had communicated, we tried really hard, and nobody wanted to sell us land. But because of God bringing this man to our community who had become the superintendent, the school was trying to buy land to build new schools. And they became aware of land, and the school didn't want to buy it all. And so he said, how about the church buying 10 acres and the school buy the rest? So because of this one man that God brought to our church, we sat down in a farmer's kitchen with all the important school officials and negotiated um, the opportunity to buy new land and to build a new building, and that's exactly what happened. But the guy was only there two years. It's kind of like the main reason he came, I think. Probably not the only reason, but uh, he was a very skilled, uh, very skilled at setting people down, worked really well in the school district, where you set down people who have different viewpoints and collaborating and helping people come to some kind of agreement. And he continued to use that skill in the future uh, in the uh, Brookfield school system. So because you are a Christ follower, expect God to put you in a place of influence, especially if you're walking with God. Number five, sometimes we may feel forgotten by God, but God never gives up. Sometimes we may feel forgotten by God. Uh, Joseph had a good reason to feel forgotten. He was alone. He was far from home. His family didn't seem to care about him. He faithfully walked with God, but he's still in prison. You know, we see Joseph as a hero, and he continues to emerge as a hero. But, you know, that's not easy being in prison when you don't want to be there. And um, you're not forgotten. Sometimes it may feel like it. Sometimes it may feel like, why isn't God coming through? Why doesn't God answer this prayer? Why is God making these things difficult? And uh, let me remind you, God knows the number of hairs on your head. He said he would never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, God said his love, he loves you with an everlasting love. He said, nothing can separate you from the love of God. God was not finished with uh, Joseph, and God is not finished with you. Um, you know, there, you are probably have gone through some difficult circumstances, or you may be in some things that are discouraging to you. But God hasn't forgotten you. You need to see, this is why it's so important to read the scriptures, like reading the story of Joseph. There is a big picture. And every day wasn't fun for Joseph. And that's, you know, we sometimes, that's where we make the mistake. By the way, Jesus said, how many read John 16 this morning? That was in your radical reading plan. John 16, today, in this world, you will have trouble. Sign Jesus Christ. Now, why do we want to act like if we're good Christians, we shouldn't have trouble? And yet, that's how God most gets honor is when we go through difficulty and we shine brightly for him. So uh, God's not finished. Uh, number six, 
Last lesson, God uses our difficulty to help us become more like Jesus. God uses our difficulty to help us become more like Jesus. And here's what I want you to know. It's absolutely true. You know, you may not want difficulty. I don't choose difficulty, but I expect it. It's normal. And it's how um, I grow as a follower of Christ. And I'm going to get difficulty whether I'm following Christ or not. Somehow we think that if I follow Christ, it's going to be bad. Hey, if you don't follow Christ, expect a lot more difficulty. Um, First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. Peter writes, For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it next slide but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it this is commendable before god to this you were called gee if you're a follower of christ peter says this is this is just how he lived and he just assumed if you were a christian it was especially true in the first century where there was great persecution and uh sometimes um a great loss of life with persecution, death. And it says, uh, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow his steps. If we follow Christ, there's going to be times where we go through difficulty because we're following. And yet God wants to use that to uh, grow us. So uh, do you want to become more like Jesus? Do you want to follow Christ? And then my advice is, hang on. Stay the course. Keep walking with Jesus. You are not forgotten, even though it may seem like it sometimes. There is a big picture, and God is at work in your circumstances. Let's stand together and pray. Thank you, God, for the uh, story of Joseph and how we can uh, stand back from it and look at it. And sometimes we can just smile at the the circumstances and know that there's a big picture happening and that you're at work. Yet sometimes we forget to apply that to our own situation. And God, I would just pray for those uh, in this room who are in a difficult place, who have faced disappointment, who are discouraged, who wonder um, why you haven't answered. And God, I pray that you'll give them encouragement, give them uh, perseverance, help them to develop endurance, strength. And may they see you at work. May that give them hope like Joseph. And may they wait for you. And may they continue to trust you. And God, we just acknowledge all of us, that there are going to be times that difficulty comes. And though we may not choose it, we're not surprised. And we just continue to ask for your help and your strength. And we're reminded of Paul's words in Philippians that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. May you strengthen us today for Jesus' sake. Amen.